Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, our guest is Brian Laird, who is the sole member of Laird Law PLLC. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, Kurt. So, Brian, what, what made you get into law? Uh, you know, it uh, beats working for a living. That's, that's <laughs> how I looked at it. I went to law school a little bit late. I was 32 years old when I went to law school, and I had done all kinds of terrible jobs, roofing in the summer in Tucson. Oh. And, and I decided, eh, maybe there's something better out there. Right. So um, in going through, I mean, because most people, you know, especially guys, there, there's that one moment in time or that one trigger that makes them, um, you know, go in a particular particular direction. Um, what was it for you, besides doing roofing during the summer in Tucson, <laughs> Um, what what really was that trigger that kind of got you to to go into law? Well, uh, you know, I mean, this is going to be unusual maybe for your listeners and, and uh, the people that you work with. But it was OJ. And uh, I'm just going to tell you the OJ case. Okay. Um, I uh, watched. I, I, I'll tell you, in addition to doing roofing in summer, I was a writer. I had uh, published a couple of novels. Actually, I was working on my second one. Um, that was a, another way to find out, yeah, maybe you're not going to make such a great living, um, writing mystery novels. Right. Um, and, uh, and OJ came on TV and I watched the case, uh, pretty much start to finish. I, I bet I watched 90% of the gavel to gavel coverage and I was obsessed. You know, this was sort of the earliest times of court TV. Yeah. Uh, we really hadn't seen this before. We hadn't like been able to watch the inside of the courtroom. Um, and uh, the, you know, the case finished, uh, the verdict came back. Uh, I said to my then wife, I could have gotten a guilty in that case, you know, uh, and I'm going to law school. Right. Um, so that's what I did. And uh, people can take that for what it's worth. But it was a, it was a fascinating case. Um, there were great lawyers, particularly for the defendants in that case. They did just just incredible work in watching this unfold. Um, I felt like it was something I wanted to uh, be involved in. I wanted to be in a courthouse, right. uh, to be trying cases. Now you know, so so you you've started up your your own law business. Um, and what is it that you that you specialize in in law? So, uh, all right, you know, about face, I end up doing nothing in the criminal field. Right. Uh, no interest uh, in, in being a criminal defense lawyer. Um, ended up going down a path of business, financial, um, real estate development uh, kinds of cases. Uh, I also end up doing uh, one, two, three, four uh, personal injury cases every year. Um, those are typically a previous client refers somebody to me. Um, 
and those are, uh, you know, you try to, I think, stick to kind of substantial cases when it comes to personal injuries. Right. Um, that breaks out into two different things, right? You've got uh, people who are sort of advertising and will take, the, they, they got a kind of a mill and they've got a system and they work through it. Um, they, they put it through the system when a case comes in. And uh, I really don't do that. I take each case both in the personal injury and the business um, very specifically uh, deal with them individually. Um, the business side, um, you know, I had started doing a lot of sort of business conflicts between business owners, um, partners, members, um, trying to figure out how to resolve these things in the best, um, most like efficient uh, way, the way that makes the best sense financially. Um, I come from a background of, uh, you know, a very sort of practical, um, you know, Midwestern, both parents, parents from Kansas kind of thing, lived through the Dust Bowl, right. um, lived through the Depression. Um, when I first came into practicing law, uh, I didn't, it wasn't very natural for me to charge the kind of hourly rates that right. lawyers charge. Right. Um, it also, I, I sensed that there were a lot of things that were done, and uh, still do, uh, you see things that are done that don't seem to be being done for a purpose. Um, I remember, uh, I think, uh, I think it was Alex Baldwin had an interview when he was getting divorced and he said something along the lines of, you know, uh, it, it seems like when you get involved uh, with the legal system, and I think he was specifically talking about divorce, but he said, you know, um, it, it, you walk in and they size you up and down, he said, they being the lawyers, and they decide what kind of percentage they're going to take out of your net worth. Right. Um, I I don't know that I really see that, but you know, LA divorce lawyers, <laughs> okay, right. Be. Um, but I did and do see lawyers uh, doing things um, in ways that don't seem to make sense for resolving matters efficiently and effectively. Um, when in particular, when it comes to the business uh, disputes, financial disputes, uh, that that spill over into real estate development, um, these things need to make money sense. Right. Uh, there is there is a certain type of personality that can tend to um, want to have conflict, and there are certain types of personal uh, lawyer personalities that have a way of enabling that mm -hmm. um, and my way of looking at things is just to say in a business case you're you're coming out of this with a, a a decision that either makes financial sense or it doesn't but you're not getting any satisfaction out of this other than money so we're 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 going to get the best deal we possibly can um, and then we're going to move on um, and, and continue forward, and you're going to continue doing business. Um, what I've found is a lot of people come in, uh, business owners tend to be, you know, spirited people. Right. These are people who have decided that they want to do something. 
Um, so if they have a conflict, uh, they can come in with a, you know, they've got very strong feelings right at the start. Okay. Um, it's very important, uh, from my perspective to explain to a business owner, one, uh, if you're going to have a legal conflict, if we're going to file a lawsuit, this is going to take a tremendous amount of your time. Right. It's going to take a lot of your energy. People don't recognize when they're sitting down with a lawyer and they're saying, yeah, let's go ahead, file the lawsuit. I'm done. You know, uh, I've tried. Um, they don't realize the amount of time, energy, focus that they're going to spend. So I say to them, look, do you want another business? Do you want another business that's not going to have the potential to make you profit? It's just going to have the potential to either prevail or resolve a conflict because you are going to end up putting the time and energy and focus in effect into this lawsuit that you would be putting into operating your business, setting right. it up, figuring out, you know, what employees you need, how they need to be trained, uh, who your suppliers are. We're going to do all of that in this lawsuit. They're, you know, not exactly the same thing, but we're going to have to make all of these decisions and we're going to have an ongoing process that takes time, energy, and focus. Do you want to do that? Um, and my alternative is, and can we see if we can get this resolved uh, right. without that? And, and in particular, I will tell you something that that irks me that, that, that I, I just think is a disservice is if you have a client come in, they haven't been in litigation before, they don't know all of the steps that are gonna happen and the amount of energy and time and focus. Um, and the lawyer knows, well, here's where we're gonna end up at the end, okay? <laughs> we're gonna settle this and it's gonna settle on these terms. And I I'm telling you in not every case, but 80%, 85%, when the client comes in and they tell you what's going on, you look at some documents, you call the other lawyer on the other side, if the other lawyer on the other side is good and doing their job right. After that, you actually know where this case ends up, 80, 85% of the time, 90% of the time, something like that. And if you know that and you fail to tell your client Here's where this will end up. <laughs> and I, I'm not giving you 100%, but I'm telling you, I've been through it and I know how we resolve these things. I know all the steps. And we can get there today or tomorrow or very shortly, right? Uh, but if you don't tell them that and instead you say, well, we should just file this lawsuit and we should just take all of these steps and we should go through this whole long process to get there, to get to that same place, you're not doing your business clients any favors. Okay. Now, now Brian, with that, I mean, you, you, you're talking that, okay, Hey, we're, I'm, I'm going to say we're down the road at this point, um, you know, with this, and it's a dispute amongst, you know, members or, or owners or whatever, what can they do proactively to be able to, avoid even having to talk about any of this. Sure, sure. 
you know, uh, the best thing you can do is spend a little dough right up front to set your business up, your limited liability company up, uh, your corporation up right. Um, generally, if we're talking about small business owners, um, you know, a contracting business, construction, a developer, we're not talking about a big C-Corp that has shareholders right. and all this kind of stuff, right? So you're going to have two choices at the beginning. Do you want to open a limited liability company or do you want to open an S-Corp? Generally, limited liability company is what most people do. And they do it, uh, their lawyers are going to advise them to do it because it's got certain tax advantages in terms of not having double taxation. Um, the, there's a, there's flow through that goes the, the um, as you know, the income goes straight through right. to the members. Um, I guess the important thing between an S Corp and, and LLC, a lot of the time and limited liability company generally is called an LLC, um, is that there's a lot less formality involved. You right. don't have to have annual meetings. You don't have to do these kinds of, you don't have to have resolutions that are written and so forth. Um, and uh, so you save a lot of steps that a corporation may have to take um, and you still have the protections of a corporate entity, um, even if you haven't taken those formal steps all the time. Um, and so anyway, you're setting up a limited liability company. That's the most likely thing. You're going to have uh, your fellow members. <laughs> and um, I've seen so many times, I can't tell you the number of times that I have a lawsuit, a case, a conflict, legal conflict that comes in the office. And there hasn't been uh, a uh, operating agreement, mm -hmm. which is sort of a contract between the members of the LLC. It's the rules, how we're going to operate the business. Right. So these folks, they're neighbors, and they had the great idea, and they started a small thing together. And then, hey, it turned out they went to a couple of festivals, and they were really selling. And they said, well, let's do this as a business. And they went and they looked online uh, to see about setting up a limited liability company. And they saw that they had their option of just setting up the LLC, okay, like going to the Arizona Corporation Commission and filing a very simple form that says, here are the members, uh, here's where you can serve us with the process if somebody sues us, et cetera. A uh, simple form you can fill out online, submit it and you're done. And then they also realized Googling around, well, we could also do this operating agreement and that's a big, you know, maybe five, 10, could be 15 page document. And what I'm reading is you can go to a lawyer and a lawyer will draft one of those for you and set it all up. And maybe they called around or they asked, you know, their cousin's brother, whoever, um, I don't know. Uh, and uh, he said, yeah, got a great lawyer. Um, it'll cost you 2,500 bucks, you know? And somebody else, oh, I paid 4,500 bucks for an operating agreement. And we closed the business the next year because, you know, life got in the way and, and we just decided we weren't gonna uh, rent a space. And, uh, you know, my neighbor moved further down, you know, the block or whatever. So they say, uh, uh, 
don't know it was worth 4,500 bucks or 2,500 bucks to a lawyer to do that operating agreement, okay? Um, and here, this person is now in a big legal conflict and I'm telling them about the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars it's gonna cost to be stuck mired in a lawsuit and all the energy that you're gonna spend doing it, right? Um, or you could have paid 2,500 bucks. Now you try not to kick people right. <laughs> you know, too right. hard, right? Um, but yeah, that's what you can do. You can go ahead. Yeah, here's a question. If, you, if you're going into business, and, uh, and, and, and it's worthwhile, you know, um, if it's worthwhile to set up a business, to actually set up a limited liability company, it should be worthwhile to have a good operating agreement drafted. And if you look at that and you say, 2,500 bucks, I don't know, I hate to pay a lawyer to do something. I mean, can't you just get one of those online and just adopt it, you know, adapt it to our terms? Okay, you can do a lot of things, right. but it really, to me, it's one of those like bottom line. It's like getting new tires. You know, do you? Is it worth getting the new tires, or should we just drive on these old ones? You know, it's that kind of question. Um, I mean, I, 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 you, your your point is, I mean, it's a huge point because you know I've seen plenty of businesses, same thing. They've gone in. And it's it's multiple people or whatever, and they haven't had the operating agreement or they haven't had bylaws or whatever. And then there's a dispute that comes about. And then, you know, they don't know how to resolve it. And I always say, oh, you got to go back to your, you know, your operating agreement. And they give me a copy of the operating agreement and it's a total DIY. And it's just like, you know, they don't have dates on it. You know, a lot of stuff is blank where they should have been putting something in. It's not signed. Um, so then at that point, it's like, you know, and, you know, I'm not an attorney and I just tell them, it's like, OK, look, guys, if now you're in this dispute, my understanding is a lot of it defaults to whatever the state rules are. Yep. And, you know, to me, nine times out of ten you don't want to go down that road with that happening. Um, the, what, what are some of the other common mistakes that, that you're seeing people make when they're, when they're going into business, um, you know, besides not spending the money up front. And I always say it's better to spend it up front than it is on the back end, because you're spending it on the back end. It's going to be four or five times as much as you would have, if it's on the front end. Yep. So, well, I, I would say tied into that is um, it's it's how you are approaching this process, right? So um, you're saying, I'm going into business with my sister, with my cousin, with my neighbor, with my best friend from college, whoever it is. Right. Um, well, we don't need to worry about having a conflict because you know what? <laughs> We we've been friends since we were roommates and we get along. We got along great when we were roommates, you know, um, and it's like, uh, here's what I tell people. OK, um, then do a favor for this person that you like so much, because if you don't have all of this in writing, if you don't have sort of like this controlling document that tells you people what 
happens, if there is a conflict, you you are sort of um, you're going to have a worse conflict. It's going to be more personal, and it's maybe going to result in the end of your friendship or it's estrangement from right. your cousin or whatever. Um, and if you just looked at this as I'm going to give this other person I'm going into business the gift of a very clean, clear, written agreement, okay? Because then there aren't any um, expectations that aren't met. There aren't any surprises about expectations. You know, the other thing that happens um, in that regard is that that you, you've had this relationship. Yeah, you go along great as uh, roommates, et cetera. Um, but people, um, they, they have, if you haven't spoken these words in particular, like very explicitly, this is the amount of time you'll work. This is the amount of time I'll work. This is the kind of decision you can make without my approval. This is the kind of decision that has to have everybody in agreement. That's a, that's a huge factor. What just deciding, um, what kinds of decisions can either of us make without the other approving of it, right? right. Well, <laughs> as long as you're getting along and you're friends and you have this great relationship, um, you don't need to express those things like clearly in writing, let the other person know because it's you've just always worked it out. Worked it out. Right. Um, but it turns out that in the process of doing business, you're going to face um, new decisions that you've never thought about before. Uh, you know, what suppliers you're going to use, what advertising you're going to do, all this kind of stuff. And if one person, as is often the case, uh, or maybe both people have always, you know, made their own decisions. And, and again, when you're going into business, people who are going into business often are the personality types who right. go do things. They're the kind of people who make decisions. They feel confident about making decisions. Um, but if they don't know explicitly, I cannot buy anything over $500 without your approval. And if you haven't just discussed that, given the other person the gift of discussing it, you know, and making it clear, um, that's the kind of thing that, that leads to conflict. I will tell you one other thing about conflicts. And this is universal. This is how the human brain works. Um, People get in conflicts uh, over unmet expectations, over slights, over decisions the other person made that, that I would have done differently. And once the conflict starts, the human brain has an innate uh, uh, ability. It's not an ability. It's a pattern um, of going back and making up a story that is not actually what happened. Right. That explains why I'm the good guy, the other person's the bad guy, yep. you know? Um, and now I don't have to uh, even try to compromise or work things out because my brain has created a story in which I'm the right person. I did everything right. Um, and, the, and those stories are just stories. They're stories that our brains make up. You see this. You see this in conflicts all the time. You certainly see it at trial uh, right. every time, where you have two different stories, you know, and 
Uh, and in fact, usually there is some of that going on on both sides in every conflict that happens. Okay. Yeah. I, I always say there's always three sides of the story. There's you know, the individual, and then there's, you know, then then there's probably the truth in between the two somewhere. Yeah. 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 So, you know, Brian, we, I mean, it's, we've covered a, a lot here real quick. Um, what what have I not asked you that you wish I had? I know that's going to be a big gamut, but. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let me just tell you this. Uh, the other thing that people, um, well, people do is they generally will say, well, I got a cousin who is in California, you know, can, can I rely on him? This kind of thing. You can rely on your cousin, certainly, but I'm sure your cousin who's a lawyer in California is going to tell you that every state has their own laws, um, their own specific wrinkles. Okay. Um, the other thing is, I think it's super important to try to find an experienced lawyer who does operating agreements, does business formation. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, you have some veteran who's done this for a while. They will have learned from mistakes. They will have modified, you know, their um, agreements. I'll give you just like a little example. And this is not in the business side, but I have a friend who is um, uh, doing sort of probate wills and trusts, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we went to law school together, um, great guy. And uh, he told me that after he had been doing this business for, for a while, he realized that when grieving family members came in, they, they, and it didn't matter whether they came to him a week after the death or a month or 60 days, um, and they would sit down in his office for the first time to say, okay, we, now we need to deal with the realities. You know, how, how, how does the transfer of the house go? What happens with property? These kinds of things. He would have an entire conversation with them, right? And then they would leave and they wouldn't remember anything <laughs> that he said. And he said it didn't matter when they asked, it just they didn't remember it. And so what he would do, they, they, but they needed that process because they needed to know they were talking to the person who can guide them through this. And just having those those questions answered, even if you don't remember them, is an important thing. It's uh, There's a feeling of comfort, of relief in knowing that somebody right. is now going to help you with this. But so what he would do is he would go through this whole thing and at the end, he would tell them, you're not going to remember most of what I've told you. So when you leave my office, don't feel weird about it. Um, call me tomorrow. Right. Here's my email address and here's my cell phone. And when it pops up, when you're in the conversation and, you know, Uncle Jimmy says, yeah, but what about the tractor? You know, you call me. Uh, you email me and I will give you that answer. And I think that people should expect and want from their attorney. And if they're not getting this, then they should probably find somebody that can get it from. Right. That, um, look, I don't need to know everything here I, coming in. I don't have the answers. 
And even when I've listened to you, I've asked you questions, you've given me advice, I, I'm probably going to leave here and forget the nuances of what was said. I'm going to forget certain things that you covered. And you should feel comfortable going back to your lawyer and saying, you know what, I can't believe I don't remember, you know, the answer you gave me. But what do we do about X? What if Y? Um, I usually, you know, when I have consultations with clients, um, uh, uh, typically, you know, if, it, if it's a client that I'm going to um, help, going to represent, uh, you know, I will say, look, you're going to have additional questions when this is over, when this consultation's over. Here's my email. Just email me. Yep. And I'll cover that stuff over the next cover date. And I'm not going to charge you another consultation fee. I'm not going to charge you by the hour or the minute or whatever. Um, it's just going to be part of this initial get together. Okay. I think you ought to get that from a lawyer. Yeah. I, I, you know, I feel the same exact way when, when people come into me and I'm counseling them with taxes and their business and, Hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Because again, same thing. They don't know what they don't know. And then they come in and we definitely throw a lot at them because we're trying to answer all their questions and trying to help them. Um, and they do forget. I mean, you know, it's like, I know I've sat in with clients, you know, with with the estate and trust attorneys and stuff like that. And we've left and I'm like, okay, I just forgot everything that you just said, even though I did my notes and stuff and I would have to go back through the notes and then, you know, we reach out. But I think that you know, your point is taken in the fact that, okay, if you don't feel comfortable going back to that attorney um, to ask those follow-up questions, then you really probably need to find a different attorney to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's true. I think that's right. Yeah. So Brian, if people like what they hear and they would like to talk to you, how can they reach out to you? Um, easiest way, uh, we have a website, blaird.com, B-L-A-I-R-D.com. Uh, it's Brian A. Laird in Tucson, Arizona. Um, and, you know, you can find me on the web and give us a call. Great. I really appreciate your time today, Brian. I think that um, a lot of the, the listeners, you know, again, and I, I like putting this out there, you know, the planning is something that's that's really important. And if you're going into business, you got to put this plan together um, for, for how you're going to govern things. And I, I really appreciate what you had to say today. You got it. Thanks, Gary. It was great talking to you. Great. So this week, our guest was Brian Laird, who's a sole member of Laird Law PLLC. I will see you guys next week. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.